0: Welcome to the Student of the Game Podcast, where we break down the life, strategy, and advice of successful individuals who are students of their own game and masters of their own craft. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to the episode.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Student of the Game Podcast. I'm Tim Stone here with our special guest, Mr. Brad Chandler. Brad, thank you for being here.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: So Brad tells me he has an amazing story to share with everybody, but he's got a real estate company flipping over 300 homes a year and a coaching company that is a little unique coming from the real estate space. So I'm going to let him take it away from here. But Brad, tell us your story.
0: Yeah, man. So in ninth grade, I read a book on how to buy real estate with no money down. And in late 2002, an investor bought my neighbor's house and I went and talked Mm -hmm. to him and I was like, what do you do? And he said, I'd buy houses at 30% below market. And I'm like, hmm, all right, I'm going to do that. And so I spent eight long months trying to find my first deal. I just kept getting more and more persistent because I saw other people doing it. And in July of 2003, I got my first deal. In July and August, I bought six houses. And in October of 2003, I came home and told my wife, um, who who, uh, I told my wife, hey, I just quit. I'm starting Express Home Buyers. And she's like, Are you kidding me? We have a newborn, newborn son and I've got two kids. Like, what are you thinking? I'm like, It'll be fine. And here we are 20 years later. We're not together, but uh, well, here we are 20 years later. Uh, and everything was fine. We flipped about 4,000 houses. So,
1: wow. What, what, was, what was that book? Was it? By um, it was, it was, Robert kind of Allen? My
0: re- yes, it was. It sure was.
1: <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. I got yep. to meet Robert Allen last year, actually.
0: Yeah, he's in he's in a mastermind of mine now. So I I have not officially met him, but I can't wait to tell him that story.
1: That's awesome. Just I mean, he started your journey and now twenty years ago. Yeah. There, yeah. Here you are. So so well,
0: so two years ago, while trying to get my son help for anxiety, I was on a Zoom call and the lady I was speaking with within a couple of minutes was like, You have a tick. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She was like, you blink profusely when you talk about your childhood. You may have some unresolved childhood trauma that's actually affecting your son. Do you want to come out and work with my ex-Navy SEAL husband and I in Park City? And I'm like, I'll do anything for my son. So I went out there and in a in a weekend, really in a matter of three hours, my life so profoundly changed. I mean, like radically changed. Um, and I found, I found f- true freedom and happiness and happiness that I never thought was even possible. And so I just said to myself weeks thereafter that, I have got to give this gift to so many other people in this world that are struggling. So I started a coaching company and now that's where I spend most of my time, um, coaching other people who are struggling, struggling entrepreneurs who are working too much, drinking too much, eating too much, smoking too much, um, have mm-hmm. shitty marriages and are just like, you know what, I'm making money, but uh, there's gotta be more to this. There's gotta be more to this. So that's what I, I help those, those folks find like utter and true uh, freedom and happiness.
1: Yeah, that's super important. And we could talk about the real estate all day, but let's, let's go talk about those three hours that changed your life. What kind of happened there?
0: Yeah, so this is, I mean, this is the crux of, of why every single problem that you have in your life comes from one thing. It doesn't matter if they're all different things, meaning like weight issues, your job sucks, your marriage sucks, you drink too much. It all, everything comes down to one thing, Tim, and one thing only, and that's your thinking. And why mm. is your thinking flawed? Your thinking is flawed because at some point in your childhood, you went through some type of stress or had some type of, some type of trauma where your brain did its job and it, it, it gave you a coping mechanism, a reason, a story. Why is this happening to me, right? So a six-year-old boy who's getting hit, let's just say, what is that six-year-old boy saying? Well, this is my parents. They're hitting me, so I must be bad. And then that's buried in your subconscious mind and at six years old it's okay to get you through that you know the, the beating with the belt or whatever but at 47 when you're waking up each day and your subconscious mind is driving you saying you're bad it destroys people it destroys relationships marriages businesses health and so that's what i found in these last two years is that i wasn't the only one out there that's like this i mean our subconscious behavior or excuse me our subconscious mind drives 95% of our behavior. So when you're fighting with your wife, uh, the argument you had with her yesterday or the day before or your husband, um, it had nothing to do with the actual issue. It had to do with mm. something something, the way that someone made you feel when you're four, six, seven, eight years old.
1: Yeah, so how hard is it to find what what that one moment or that one belief that you have that you don't know about, Like how hard is it to actually find that and uncover it and heal it?
0: So it's really surprising. Um, I, I could see where you'd be like, man, that must be hard. But I, I employ mm-hmm. hypnosis. I became a certified hypnotherapist last year uh, and studied under one of, one of a, a lady that I think is the best in the world, Marissa Peer. And um, so when we get you in that deeply relaxed state, in the hypnotic state, Uh, which is no more than just like meditation and deep relaxation. Your subconscious mind actually knows the source of all of your problems. So it's not hard at all. Memories just pop in. I mean, memories that people are like, you know, I hadn't thought about that in 20 years, or you know what, I never ever thought about that. That's incredible how much impact that has had on my life. So that's kind of the essence of this like this this story and the, why I'm shouting this from the mountaintops is we all struggle and suffer to some degree. A majority of us human beings, and it's all self-inflicted, but it's not our fault. It's from these thoughts that were programmed in us as children that we have no idea that even exist a lot of times.
1: Because mm-hmm. a lot of times you have no idea. You don't remember any of it. And you, you caught my attention when you mentioned hypnosis and I'd imagine a lot of people are very skeptical when you use that word. Tell me like, what, what is it exactly? And how does that work?
0: Yeah. Great question. So, I mean, what do most people think? What does their mind go to? They think about the think, like,
1: the, like the magician on stage. is going yeah, like, you know, to make where you... the person's
0: like out like this and they're, you know, they're chasing the, the animals around or whatever. Um, I mean, that's all for show, right? Um, those people pick someone who's highly hypnotizable and they get them in a trance and it's not like that at all. You have full control, you have full function. You can, you can wake up, you can, you're not even asleep. When I say wake up, you can get out of it. You can get up and walk around, whatever. Um, it's just a deeply relaxed state that allows your mind to focus in on the subconscious mind and unearth those problems. And those, those thoughts really is what they are that are driving all of your behaviors.
1: Is this something you'd recommend everybody does or just someone that realizes they have a problem?
0: So, man, you got, you have some really, really profound questions. Um, you've, you've done this a couple of times. Great job. Um, <laughs> so, so if we'd had this conversation three years ago and there was someone else in my chair and I'm listening to this conversation, I'd have been like, well, I don't have any problems. I've, you know, yeah, I've been divorced twice and yeah, I smoke weed and yeah, I drink, but you know what? I mean, my life's pretty good. I make a pretty good living. I own a boat. I own a house. I own a nice car. You know, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Right. And what it all comes down to is. Ninety nine percent of problems in this world are from an individual's lack of self-love. And when I say ninety nine percent, I mean it. Our prisons are full, child molestation, sex trafficking, terrorism, the war in Ukraine all comes down to an individual's lack of self-love. You, none of us were born with lack of self-love though. So well, how did it happen? Our imperfect parents and imperfect, imperfect caregivers, teachers, bullies at school made us feel a certain way. And that caused us to not love ourselves. So if self-love had come up three years ago, and I've been like, first of all, that's frou-frou, like woo-woo stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I love myself. Well, I didn't love myself. So I created a quiz, a long-winded way of, of answering your question, Tim, is What everyone on this planet needs to do is go take my self-love quiz. If you score extreme self-love, I bet you your life is amazing. I bet your relationships are good, your business is good, your health is good. I bet you're just humming. I think it's going to be very few of you. If you get mild self-love or lack of self-love, don't take that as a woe is me. Take that as a, oh my gosh, my life can so profoundly change for the better. Because if you have mild self-love or lack of self-love, I can assure you as sure as as sure as you sit here and listen to me speak that every area of your life is impacted negatively. So you have so much more you can go and that's what I experienced him in the last 2 years. I thought I had this pretty good life. Like I said, yes, I had some hiccups in my in my past, but I thought I was pretty happy. And when I figured out that, oh my gosh, in trying to get help from my son, that I had this baggage, I had these thoughts that were controlling every area, of my, every argument I got in my wife with my wife's wives, plural, were not. It's never about the issue at hand. Again, it's always about something else. So that's what I would recommend. Bradchandler.com dot com forward slash quiz. Go take the quiz right now and know that if you score anything but extreme self-love, you you should be super excited for your life.
1: Mm-hmm. So if if there is, if the, someone takes a quiz and they score a little bit low, what, what do you recommend would the next step be?
0: So look, uh, they can come to me, uh, they, they can have a free call with me. We can see if we're fit uh, for myself and my team to help, uh, or they can go and, you know, there's other folks out there, right? Traditional therapy. Um, most people have gone through traditional therapy. I went through 30 years of it and went probably through 50 marriage counseling sessions. Traditional therapy doesn't work as well. Most of the time, sometimes it does, but most of the times because it focuses on the conscious mind and it focuses on the symptoms. And the conscious mind, remember, doesn't it only drives five percent of the behavior. So, I don't want to recommend going to a therapist, but just do something. Know that all you have to do is go back to your childhood. Find someone who's qualified that can go back to your your childhood and access your subconscious memories from that time, and then figure out what went wrong and the stories that you told yourself. And then what I do is I create a personalized recording at the end of the hypnosis session that they listen to for 30 days as they're in a relaxed, uh, as they're going to bed at night, and their brain wave is going into an alpha state. That's when you're most suggestible. And then they just listen to this for, for 30 days. And there's a thing called neuroplasticity, which is your brain's natural ability to, to regrow new neural pathways. And so you change your thinking and thus radically change your behavior.
1: Mm, And that's an important thing to get a different result. You got to do something different. And one of the things we say within our companies is like the first step, to achieving something that you want is to change the way you think. Like Absolutely. If, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting yep. different results. And it all starts, the different actions all start with different thoughts. So I love that. And I wanted to uh, kind of see from that, how does that translate to business? You know, you mentioned you work with a lot of entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, so um, how we translate to my business and then I'll get to the clients that I work with is that, after 20 years of being in business, these last two years, I realized why I got into business. I got into business to make a lot of money because I didn't feel worthy about myself. And I figured that if I made a lot of money, I'd find worthiness and happiness. And it doesn't work that way. Look at all the, the people that are worth tens of millions of dollars and they end up killing themselves, taking their lives with drugs and alcohol and different things. Um, money doesn't buy you happiness. It doesn't buy you freedom. But what, it did, what happened in these last two years is once I realized that, you know what, I don't need to prove anything to anybody I don't need to make a bunch of money anymore. Right? So I've shifted my focus to making an impact. And last year, express home buyers had one of its best years ever. Right? So Mm -hmm. think about that. Most entrepreneurs start companies for two reasons, just like I did to make a lot of money to prove their worth, or they lack control in their childhood. And they think that starting a business will give them control. And it does to some degree, but real in the reality of the world, we don't really control anything. The only thing we can, we can truly control are our thoughts. So, uh, Money and control is why entrepreneurs start their business. If they can shift that and focus on impact only, what does impact mean? Looking at how does each customer we serve, how can we impact their lives and their business? How can we impact the employees on our team? How can we impact our investors? When you start focusing on that, the money will come more than you ever thought possible. And you're not because you're not just your focus like I used to be I used to chase every shiny object that went by my eye because why I didn't feel worthy. So if, oh, if I could grab this shiny object and make it shine, make a million bucks, I might be worth something. So Mm -hmm. that's how it translated in my life. Um, The clients I've, I've had some clients recently where I see that they're working tons and tons of hours. And it's a way to prove their worth. And what what happens when you work tons and tons of hours, it's really just an addiction. It's no different than alcohol or weed or gambling or whatever, is it takes away from the connections in your life. It takes away from the relationship with your wife and your husband. It takes away from the relationship with your kids. So I'm helping entrepreneurs see that there is a reason that they work all the time. There is a reason that their their mind is racing all the time. Mm There is a reason that when they're on vacation, they're thinking they're feeling guilty about you know, going into the office and when they're, when they're working, all they can think about is, Oh, I should be home. And what does all of that come down to? Remember the one thing, it's all just how they think. So when we can change their thinking, we can actually make them more profitable while working less because they're focused on the right things.
1: Yeah. And, And I totally agree with all that. And I love that. And one thing you mentioned to me before we started, you spend about an hour a week on your business and they flip over 300 homes a year. How do you get to that point just uh just from like business structure standpoint? I'm sure you didn't start only doing an hour a week, but what's what's the process of getting to there? I think that's a lot of people's goals. Yeah, I read they only work an hour a week where they send you know multiple businesses, whatever it comes down to, but talk about that.
0: Yeah. So one of the first business books I read when I started my company 20 years ago was E Myth uh, by Michael Gerber. And it teaches you that when you start a business, whether you're going to open one location or 5,000, you you set it up like you're going to open 5,000. So while I was always shitty, at, I, I was a visionary, so I wasn't great at writing the systems. I also always knew the importance of them. So I was always pushing for system, system, systems. I was always pushing for good people, but my unworthiness a lot of times attracted the wrong people that were looking for the same thing, you know, money, money, money to prove their worth. So in the last couple of years, we hired a good CFO that has operational um expertise. And we've just we've just got a really good team. I think when I stopped trying to chase money two years ago, we started attracting a different type of person and our culture completely changed. So my advice to folks listening to this is, is fix yourself. I mean, this whole thing, by the way, started that this ex-Navy SEAL while he started this whole thing is he was he was he was serving CEOs of like big companies, Fortune 500 companies, and they'd bring him in to like change the companies. And he'd look around, he'd be like, the problem isn't with your company. The problem is between your two ears. It's your thinking. So what entrepreneurs need to do is change that thinking, um, switch to making an impact. And then your culture changes and you attract the right people. And, the, and just ha- having the right people, like Gary Keller said. Gary Keller, who you know is now a billionaire, when he, when he had like 5,000 agents, he had a consultant that actually happens to live in my mom's neighborhood in Charlottesville. It's such a small world. And he <laughs> said, "Look, all you need to do is hire, it was either five or 12. It might've been the 12 disciples, but um, 12 people or five people, it doesn't really matter. And those people will hire another five and those people will change your world. But you just need to get those key people. So it is, I mean, it's a cliche because you hear that a lot in business, but I can't overstate just how important the people are in an organization.
1: Mm -hmm. one thing i've heard from very very successful you know business owners and ceos is that the personal development on an individual level is super important because you as the leader investing in yourself is going to have the greatest return on investment and then also investing in the development of those employees within the organization is super important as well because for as much as it is between your two years it's between theirs at every level as well um so yeah I'm curious with the the coaching have you ever kind of gone and done it with groups or is it usually just the leader like what what's what's the
0: typical So let me let me answer one um, question let me address something before I answer that question um Yep and that is yeah, so 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 83% of Americans identify as not being happy, which means that mm. 83% of Americans probably have some lack of self-love. So it permeates everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere. Like this 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 deficiency thinking is everywhere. So one of the first clients I had was a 35-year-old uh, female in the Philippines that works for me. And when she came to me, she had major anxiety, she had migraine headaches, she slept 2 to 3 hours a night, she had bad relationships with her husband and her son. And in three sessions, three hour sessions, she completely changed. So she sleeps now. Her anxiety is gone. Her her migraines are gone. Imagine the shift in productivity from from these people. And you mentioned Mm -hmm. that personal development is important and you hear a lot about mindset. But listen, this is the thing is you can't teach someone how to show up to work or be more productive or better be a better time manager. Similar to marriage counseling. It all comes down to how that individual feels about themselves. So all this mindset stuff you hear, you know, Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins, you go to these conferences, you go to these weekends and you get all fired up and he motivates you. And yeah, let's go back. I'm going to set the world on fire. And then you get back to your house Sunday night. You get to the office Monday. the, the, The balloon just goes, right? because everything's deflating, because guess what? They didn't go into your subconscious mind and unearth the things that are driving you that are creating these in the first place. So all of this personal development and mindset stuff, just like marriage counseling, most of it is just a a waste of time if the individual has lack of self-love and has these deeply embedded thoughts that are controlling them. Mm. Pretty pretty powerful, right? It is. Now I forgot forgot your question. What was your question?
1: (laughs) Uh, I was just thinking about... Oh, groups. Within groups and yeah, going
0: different levels than just the top. So um, this is the first business that I started without the thought of making a bunch of money. It was always about Mm -hmm. impact. So I'm honing my craft. I'm getting better and better. I know God put me here. God gave me a lot of talent to do this. I'm naturally really good at talking with people. I'm really good at getting them to open up because I create a safe environment. I have a lot of empathy. I've walked down the path that most of these folks have walked down. And so'm I'm, I'm very um, I'm very very comfortable doing it one on one as things progress though, I'm thinking, how do I impact the most people?" So one of my thoughts is yes, to speak to lar- large organizations. To, to have coaches that are going to do individual work. I have some coaches on my team now. And then I've got this idea of having people come on and like almost like a lot like we're doing right now and break it down. So the entire when I say break it down, actually do sessions with people so that the world can be like, oh, my God, that's me. I'm 100 pounds overweight. And I've been overweight all this time because when I was a little kid, I used to turn to food to cope because that was all the only thing. Or I used to see my mom, my dad hit my mom and I kept saying to myself, I wish I was bigger. I wish I was bigger. I wish I was bigger. Well, I got bigger and then I stayed bigger and I had no idea. That's why I eat all the time. So that's my kind of grand vision is to um, mm-hmm. is to bring people on and have these transformations so that the entire world can see.
1: Yeah. So how do you scale that impact? If the,
0: if there's a, a plan a vision for that, because I know you said you're not
1: in it for the money, but if, helping as many people as possible as part of the vision.
0: What's the next step from here? So I'm in an organization that has uh, 14,000 trained hypnotists around the world. Um, so it's going to be a combination of doing this on a group setting so everyone can see it. And then having coaches come in that, can, that I can train them on my, um, my way of doing things. I, I have a five-week program that, that works incredibly well. It's, that would be it. It's leveraging other people. Uh, other coaches and then trying to, trying to have a, a worldwide like platform to broadcast on.
1: Mm-hmm. So a lot of these other coaches kind of do the same thing. We help people in the same way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the difference is, you know, a lot of, a lot of these coaches are really, really, really good at what they do, but they're, they're not good at marketing. They don't like to get on camera. They're they They just don't know the whole social media and, and marketing. And for 20 years, I've in my company, we've spent millions and millions of dollars on marketing. We've done TV advertising. I mean, we've done it all social media. so, I'm really comfortable in front of a camera. I'm really comfortable with marketing. So my thought is I'll go generate a bunch of people who need a bunch of help and then I'll have trained uh, uh, coaches that can help them.
1: Yeah, I love that. And kind of what I'm, what I'm thinking just from the listener's perspective, because I feel like a lot of my audience is younger and maybe just getting started. They're not quite fully running businesses yet, if if at all. Um So what advice would you have for someone who kind of wants to go the entrepreneurial route, but is, you know, still in the listening to podcast phase?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you got to figure out why do you want to go the, the, um, the entrepreneurial route. Um, If you do this work, it might be that you lack control as a child and you're really trying to find something to, you know, that you can control. And again, you don't control anything in life. So Mm -hmm. I think that, um, One of the things I learned is that within weeks of going through this transformation, maybe days, maybe minutes, I knew that I was put on this planet to do this. And what I found is that there's a lot of my clients that struggle with why are they here? Because when you don't, when you haven't done the work, we spend about 75% of our time uh, in a fight or flight mode. And when you're in, when the lion's chasing you, can you really come up with your purpose? can you really come up with what your next step should be or what business you should open? So the greatest the, the advice I could give is like, go take the quiz. <laughs> and if you have mm-hmm. lack of self-love or, or mild self-love, don't do anything, stay right where you are, do the work, do the work and make <clears> sure you, you understand what's driving you and what from your childhood is impacting you in a negative way and fix that before you take your next step.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I think at, at any point, this guy, got- Kind of makes sense. I was going to ask if someone's maybe a little bit further ahead, but it's just stop where you're at and assess and, and see w- what needs to be fixed. No matter, no matter where. You'd yeah,
0: because I mean, absolutely. Look, uh, you know, success and lack of success. Although I don't like the word success anymore because it's so, so around money life, mm-hmm. let's just use the word li- life, life leave cl- clues, right? So if you're trying mm-hmm. to figure out if you have a drinking problem, what, what uh, rehab centers will ask you is they'll go through this chart and they'll be like, how has alcohol affected your personal life, your business life, your health uh, legally? And so with this, if you're trying to figure out like, do I have self-love? Do I not? You can take the quiz, but all you have to do is look at your past. Like, are you in a triggered state a lot of the day? Do you take things personally? Do you always want to be right? When someone cuts you off in traffic, you get really mad. Uh, do you judge other people? Do you talk negatively to yourself? Relationships. Have you been in deeply connected relationships, or do you jump from one relationship chip to the next? Do you do you have self-destructive behaviors? Do you drink? Do you use drugs? Do you smoke too much? Do you the go you, you know eat too much? Do you do you do risky sexual things? Do you take you know a lot of uh, you know extreme sports like that could kill you? All of those things are clues that something isn't quite lined up in you, and that you've got some internal things that you need to work on.
1: Yes, yeah, so it's, it's kind of just an audit of. <laughs> what's your what's your life and your thoughts look like yeah
0: yeah 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 how do you talk to yourself i mean that's a big one like if you're if you're talking negative to yourself all the time or a lot um i mean i catch myself once a month once every two months i'll do something i'll be like you idiot and i'll be like whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no no stop i'm not an idiot i'm a human being i just made a mistake and then it's gone but before Before I made this transformation, I used to tell my second wife all the time how dumb I was. She was like, "Stop saying that. You're not dumb." I was like, "Yeah, I'm really dumb. I'm really dumb. I'm really dumb." Negative self talk all the time. I was like enthralled with negative negativity. Like I can remember playing golf and like I'd pull up these terrible (laughs) stories of people, like the golf cart lady driving off the path in Vegas and like dying. I look back. I'm like, "Why did I do that?" It's because I was in a fight or flight, and my my brain was in that. I used to watch the news, Tim all the time two years mm-hmm. ago i stopped watching the news i don't know anything that's going on and it's so beautiful i'm at the gym and i'll look up at the tvs and i'll see just, just this morning house fire in land and two people killed murder here and i'm like that is why i don't watch that because i can't do anything about that so why bring that negative energy into me and do you know how many people in the world watch the news every day and read the newspaper like why i i, I look mm-hmm. back and i'm like why well, oh you want to be informed Okay, how does being well-informed help you? What decisions have you made in your life? If, it, if it's going to storm, you're going to, you know, you'll get an alert on your phone. It's going to storm or it's going to snow, right? Other than that, what can I do? What can I do? What I can do, though, is I can spread my positive light and love people, and love myself. And that will, that will come a lot easier if I'm not watching the freaking news.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I never really watch the news except when it's in the gym. I'm on the treadmill and it's on. But uh, I'm kind of the same way with the weather, too my it's funny my wife was like obsessively checks the weather all the time uh and i give her crap about it because i don't like i can't change the weather like i look outside and see if it's raining but i don't even check right you now because because i can't control that i think it's kind of funny uh, w- one thing you're you're talking you brought up golf i thought you were gonna say the negative self-talk against yourself when you're playing golf uh, i well, think a lot of people can relate to that <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, throwing. I never threw clubs. I, I've always had been yeah. pretty good with anger management. But I will tell you something interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. When I used to play in golf, I'm like an eight handicap. So I shoot anywhere mm-hmm. from like 75 to 85. And when mm-hmm. I used to play in what my brain termed as big tournaments, which were the, the yearly member guest or the yearly member member, I would get really, really nervous. And how, well, how did I cope with that? I'd start drinking. I never had a drinking Mm. problem, but I'd start drinking sometimes at eight o'clock in the morning, seven thirty. I would drink like bourbon and Cokes. And by the first when when I got on the tee at like nine a.m. to tee off, if I would have been pulled over, I didn't drive. But had I been, you know, breathalyzed, I would have been drunk. Why is that? Because I was so afraid. I think there's two two things that I analyze this. One is I was so afraid of looking silly and having people judge me. But I think there was also a tremendous amount of pressure thinking, if I can win this tournament, it might bring me some worthiness. So now Mm -hmm. I play in these tournaments. I haven't had a drink. Like three weeks ago was my two-year anniversary of not having a sip of alcohol. And I play in these tournaments. And guess what? I play better than I ever played when I was drinking. I used to be known at the club as you don't want to play Brad when he's been drinking because he's really good. So I had that as almost like a Mm -hmm. mantra. And it was just another untruth that we tell ourselves. All of the things that bring us suffering in life are just untruth that we tell ourselves.
1: Yep. I think I'm about a 45 handicap. So I haven't, <laughs> I haven't found what uh, when people don't want to play me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. um, well, yeah, I, I think it's really fascinating. A lot of the stuff that you've gone into. And uh, one thing I kind of noticed, uh, and it, I hope you don't mind me bringing this up when you were talking about that, the past, when you, you would drink on the golf course, you kind of did the, the eye thing, blank, you mentioned. the blinking, you did it a little bit, which uh, it's funny. What, like, what other things could people look for in themselves? To do you know, I was, I was, kinda... uh, I was on a
0: po- I was upon a podcast yesterday, and the guy asked me my story, and I started telling my story, and I started blinking a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. which is really yeah. interesting. Sorry, so your question was
1: like, like are, th- are there things like that that are pretty common that people can kind of notice about themselves, or is it um, really just individualistic?
0: I, it's completely individualistic, um, it, it's, it's a way. I took on a client, one of my first clients, and she would pick, she had OCD and she would pick her heel so bad that she couldn't walk on it. And what that is, it's, it's, it's the brain's way of trying to soothe you from pain. So as Mm -hmm. I was talking about the, the judgment on the golf course, I reverted back to likely the six-year-old when I was being judged or my dad used to make fun of me. Right. So it's, it's a way to cope. So there could be a thousand different ways to cope. But I think the better answer is let's just go back to what we were talking about 10 minutes ago. If you have any, if you're sitting here listening to this thinking like, is this me? Just go take the self-love quiz, Mm bradchandler.com forward slash quiz, or just look at your relationships and how you act. And do you always have to be right? And do you take things personally? Do small things set you off that other people don't get irritated, really make you irritated? Those are probably better signs than if you blink a lot or pick your heel or, you know, do do some, you know, nervous tick. Mm -hmm. It's not nervous. You. It's, it's, it's like, it's, a, it's like a, co- it's a, just another coping mechanism that we come up with.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I'm on the podcast, I'm like twisting this pen the whole time. Like every time I've noticed that, but um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's amazing stuff. And I think it's super important for people to realize that as early as possible, you know, what need what's in their way. Cause you don't see it. You don't see that this stuff is in your way. It's just how you are and how you think. Um so I I love that you went into that. I, I wanted to see if there's, you know, any any last words of advice you want to get into before we kind of start, you know, getting to the end here and wrapping up. Um any major yeah. points we need to hit first?
0: You know, I think I think the message is that if you're suffering or struggling, there's too many people that are struggling and suffering out there and they're like, this is just the way life is. And I'm here to tell you that's not the way life is. You shouldn't have to struggle. You shouldn't be in shitty relationships. You should be in deeply connected relationships where conflict is actually welcomed. You actually talk through things. You share your true feelings. You are your authentic self. The stress in childhood, what it does is it takes you away from the connection with yourself. We're all born this perfect child and through the imperfections of our parents and our caregivers, we, we we're not, we put up filters that change us and all we, all you need to do is get back to that truth of when you were two year old, when you used to dance in the park and sing out loud and hug the strangers. Like that's who you are at your core. I hear people say, "Well, my husband isn't affectionate, or my wife isn't affectionate." Bullshit. They were. They're not affectionate now because they're hurt. We're, we're all these amazing human beings. Everyone is deserved, uh, deserving of happiness, and everyone at their essence is a really good human being. Ted Bundy was not born a serial killer, despite what anyone will tell you. He was born a normal child and had horrific circumstances. Jeffrey Dahmer had horrific circumstances. I'm not saying it makes it right, but this is why you are the way you are. So change can only begin with awareness. So mm-hmm. if, when you can be aware, and 9 out of 10 of my clients, Tim, it's really fascinating. When I asked them on the forum, did they have a happy childhood where were their needs met? every single one of them, maybe nine out of 10 of them, maybe not everyone says, yes, they did. And I'm mm-hmm. 15 minutes in and they're telling me that their, their father committed suicide or their mother was threatening suicide or their, their, their father would hit him with a belt. And I'm like, no, no, man, you didn't have a happy, good childhood. There might've been times that were happy. So what we do is we just block this shit out of our memory mm-hmm. and be like, no, everything was good. No, no. Most of you, everything wasn't good. It's not your parents fault. You didn't get your needs met. They did the best they could. This isn't about blaming your parents. It's just the opposite. It's understanding that they did the best they could do. But as soon as you have awareness, like literally in this week I had four clients the big breakthroughs usually don't happen in week three, but these clients all threw me some nuggets in the first one or two sessions. And I have I tell them this. I, I just basically explain this. Hey, your childhood was really messed up. This is why you do this, 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 and this, and why you came to me. And they're just like, I mean, most of them start crying. They're like, this is insane. I can't believe I lived my life so long not knowing this.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, it's there, but you don't know. It's not a thing until someone helps you see it. Yeah. So that that that's that's amazing. And and since a lot of the people listening to this are interested in real estate, and since you do have the background, I just I wanted to ask a few questions. Just w- what did those those first couple deals look like? And then compared to now, what does it look like? But you know, getting
0: started out. Yeah. So so I was trying everything, everything talking to realtors, door hangers. I was hand addressing hundreds of envelopes. I had my sister doing it, I was paying her. The first one was a VA, a Veterans Administration uh foreclosure that I bought and the realtor got the buying commission and the selling commission and I did the math and he made more money than I did. So <laughs> yeah, not not great. Uh, so that was my first deal. My second deal I bought um in March of that year. So I remember I didn't buy the first house till July, but in March I made an offer on a lady's house and she didn't accept it, but I kept in touch with her agent and her agent called me back in July and said my client is five days away from foreclosure and knowing that you're a foreclosure expert, can you help me? And I'm like, Oh shit. I was like, yeah, I can help you. And I hung up the phone. like, Oh shit. What am I going to do? Anyway, I ended up buying that house subject to using subject to financing. I flipped Hmm. it. Um, I was going to renovate it. Thank God. I listened to a Ron LeGrand tape and he's like, no, just, just put a handyman special in the newspaper, flip it. I made like 40 grand. And then I had a sign up that said, we buy houses because I'm a marketing guy. And five o'clock on a Friday night, actually seven o'clock on a Friday night, I get a call from a lady. She was a truck driver. I think she had been drinking. She drove by this house in Manassas, saw the sign and said, can I buy the house? And I said, no. But instead of hanging up, I did what my mentor, Robert Sheeman had taught me 20 years ago. He said, ask everyone this question. Do you know anyone who wants to buy or sell a house? And she said, yes, my mom has a house in Arlington. Well, Arlington's a really nice area. She told me the price. She was like 320000 She goes, well, let me call my mom. She literally called me back. This was crazy. I can't believe she even called me back. She called me back like 20 minutes later. She goes, I just talked my mom down to 285. Can you buy it? And I'm just like about to do backflips. Right. And I, and I bought that house and I rehabbed it. And like every new investor, I underestimated the ARV and I, I underestimated the repairs and I overestimated the the ARV, but I still made Mm. 60,000. And a couple months before I had a salary making 60,000. So those Mm -hmm. are my first three deals.
1: Yeah. And, and then now that you've kind of built a machine, put the people in place and had the, you, uh, you don't even see them, right?
0: Uh, so I get notices sometimes on my phone, but most of the time people are like, Hey, what about this property? I'm like, I, I have no idea. I certainly don't see them. I might see the address mm-hmm. pop up here and there, but no, I have no idea what's what's uh, what houses we're buying and what we're doing to them.
1: Yeah. And that's amazing. And, and uh sure it took a long time to get there. And maybe that's a conversation for another podcast, but I appreciate you coming on and really dropping some really valuable content that I think will help people. Um, Now, other than your website, what's the best way for people to get in touch and kind of keep track on what you're doing? Are you on social media at all?
0: I'm on social media and every single day of the year, I put out a message on freedom and happiness and all the stuff that we've been talking about. So if you go to bradchandler.com forward slash contact, I have every social media platform. You can just click a button. I also have my personal cell phone number on there. And I also have, um, I offer a three, a free 30 minute phone call for anyone. I call it a freedom and happiness call. So if you're struggling and you're like, Hey, I wonder if this guy can help me uh, schedule a call and, and we'll chat.
1: Absolutely. Um, Man, I have one more question. It totally just slipped my mind. Well, I
0: let me tell you a little brain hack that the, the yeah. one of my mentors. So when you forget stuff, when when you try to think of it on a conscious level, it's going to be really hard because that's not where it's at. It's in your unconscious brain. So anytime you you forget something, just say, you know what? It'll come to me and then forget about it. Move on And like two seconds later. Mm-hmm. Like, so just say that right that's now. A, that's it'll, what I was trying it'll, to do. Yeah, say, it'll, it, come, it, to it'll come to me. It'll come and to then, me. And then go on to the next thing and then usually it comes back.
1: Yeah, that's a good trick. And uh, it, it'll come to me, but it'll probably be after we end the recording. <laughs> so I, I appreciate the time. I... um I think it's it going to be super valuable to everyone that listens. But uh, yeah, we, we can go ahead and wrap it up here. Any any final words?
0: No, just again, just I can't reiterate more that uh, everything is controlled by your thinking. And if you're suffering, you don't have to suffer. And life can be really, really amazing when, when you get that that freedom to, to, to just loving yourself and living in the truth that you're enough and you always were enough and you always will be enough.
1: I love that. The thought is like right here. So if you're listening, I'm going to have to leave you on a cliffhanger. But uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.